the name of Jesus, amen. Our text today is from the gospel lesson just read, especially this question from Jesus Christ. Do you begrudge my generosity? Thus far our text. Do you begrudge my generosity? Jesus asks that question to close the parable that he tells us in our gospel lesson for today. And since he asks, we must consider for ourselves the answer to that question. Do we begrudge the generosity of God? To begin to consider that question, we have to ask, is God generous? Of course he is. Think of all the things that he gives to you. You just confessed the Nicene Creed. You know the meaning to the Apostles' Creed and the Catechism. Look how generous God is. He gives you body and soul, eyes, ears, and all your members, your reason, and all your senses, and still takes care of them. How does he take care of them? By giving you clothing, shoes, food, drink, house, home, wife, children, land, animals, all that you have, God has generously given to you. And if that wasn't enough, God has also rescued you from sin, death, and the power of the devil by his own son's death on the cross, by his glorious resurrection. By those holy, weak actions, he has purchased and won you from sin, death, and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood, innocent suffering and death, so that you might be his own and live under him in his kingdom. He generously saves you from sin. If that wasn't enough, he also calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies you into the holy Christian church, taking you out of the world of sorrow and sin, giving you his word and his sacraments that you might trust in his great generosity so that you might live in his kingdom forever. Is God generous? Yes, God is very generous. And all of these things are gifts that he gives to you. You haven't had to ask for these things, have you? You haven't had to pay for them. You haven't had to go to the store and look at shelves of God's gifts and pick out which one you want. He gives them to you by his grace before you ask, even before you deserve the gifts that he gives. God shares all that he has with you. He shares with you more generously than a parent does to a child. God gives you everything all that you are and all that you have depend on his great generosity.
But he's not just generous to you, is he? He's also generous to others. All the things that he gives to you, he also gives to the person sitting down the pew from you. All the things that he gives to you, he also shares with the person across the room that you don't like very much. All the things that he gives to you, he gives to that family member who always talks politics, to that family member who's rough, to that family member who has that sin that you know about. All the things that he gives to you, he also gives to the neighbor down the street. And the truth be told, he might even give that neighbor down the street a bigger house than he's given to you. A faster car. He might have given them more children. A bigger, greener yard. He might have arranged it so that the neighbor's tree blocks the sunlight from melting the snow off your driveway on a warm February day. Your coworker might receive the big promotion while you stay in the same station. God's able to do this. All belongs to Him. But when those situations arise, oftentimes we become jealous and angry. We say the words, that's not fair. Don't I deserve more? Shouldn't I get something better? We begrudge our Lord's generosity in these matters. Or to say it in the way the Ten Commandments say it, we covet what our neighbor has. We understand this a little bit every year at Christmas morning, don't we? When our children open their presents. How come his Lego set has more pieces than mine? She got an iPod and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. She got a smartwatch and I got new underwear. The jealousy arises. The receiver of the gift begrudges the one who gave the gift. It's not fair. It's not that the other person got the gift. It's that we think they got a better gift, a better deal than we did. We're covetous on Christmas morning. And those actions that play out with children on Christmas morning happen in our minds as well, don't they, adults? We've just been trained to keep it to ourselves. But it's still there. Even we as adults feel this way. 
Jesus gives us a very clear example of this in our gospel lesson for today. A man hires laborers early in the morning to come and to work in his vineyard to get the fruit out while it's still ripe. He promises to pay him one denarius for a day's work. That is a fair day's wage at that time. And so early in the morning, those whom he hires go to work in the vineyard eager to earn that denarius. Later in the day, after a few hours of the workday have passed, more are hired. At lunch break, even more are hired to come and work. An hour before quitting time, more are hired. The grapes have to be brought in and harvested after all. And at the end of the day, Jewish law demands that the laborers receive their wages. The last ones hired get paid first. Everybody watches to see what they'll make. After all, they only worked for an hour. Maybe they'll get a few pennies. But the master is generous. They get paid a denarius, the amount promised. At the back of the lines, the ones who worked all day long see this and they start to think, I bet I'll get more. They only worked for an hour and they made a denarius. I worked 12 hours. Maybe I'll get 12 denaria. The next group gets paid a denarius. The next group, a denarius. Finally, the ones who worked all day long. And what do they get? Exactly what they were promised, a denarius. That's not fair. We deserve more. We worked longer. We haven't gotten what we deserved. They covet more. They begrudge the generosity of the giver of the gift. They compare what they've been given to others. And they self-justify the amount they think they should get. We see the same thing in the Old Testament lesson, don't we? God has brought the people of Israel out of slavery. He brought them through the Red Sea with water stacked up on either side of them. He destroyed Pharaoh's host that was chasing them. He is visibly present in a pillar of cloud and fire. And what do they say? You're trying to kill us. We don't have any water to drink. It's not fair. And dear Christian, these sorts of things happen for us all the time as well. 
They even happen here in the church, don't they? We look down the pew and we say, what's that person doing here? Because we know of some public sin that they've committed, or something looks funny about them, they don't look like they're descended from hundreds of generations of Germans or Norwegians like we are. It's not fair that they're here receiving the same thing that I'm getting. Sometimes it happens at voters' meetings. We stand up and we say, that's a nice idea you have, but you see, my family formed this church. My grandfather helped build part of the building. I do this job here, and so your opinion isn't valid. You're too new. After 50 years, then you can have some input. Is that really how the church works? Longer lasting members have more say over those who are new? Or is it that all of us are beggars, saved by the mercy of Jesus? More seriously, it happens when we refuse to share God's generosity of forgiveness with others. It's not fair that I should have to forgive that person who sinned against me. Don't you understand what they've done? Don't you understand how much they've hurt me? How terribly they've harmed me? I cannot forgive them. I will not forgive them. It wouldn't be fair. Aren't we all forgiven sinners? Aren't we all in the same predicament? see, none of us deserve the surpassing mercy of our God. None of us deserve heaven. None of us deserve, based on our own merits, resurrection or peace with God. All of us here in this building are sinners through and through. All of us, as sinners, deserve to die, to die forever. But God promises to us something different. God promises mercy to all of us. To the person down the pew, to the person across the room, 
to the person of the other political party, to the family member you despise, to the person overseas, to the long-lasting members of the congregation, to the short-lasting members of the congregation. Every person is forgiven by Jesus. All of their sin is forgiven by Jesus. Christ died once for all. The person that you're angriest at, Jesus died for. The person you love the most, Jesus died for. The person asking what you deem to be a silly question at Bible study, Jesus died for. The person that cuts you off in traffic, Jesus died for. The person you run into at the grocery store, Jesus died for. And even, even for you, Jesus has died for all your sin, for all that you've done wrong, all the messes that you've made. Christ has died for that sin. God has promised generous forgiveness, eternal life, and mercy. Will you begrudge his generosity? Christ has died and rose again. Dear Christian, act like that's the truth. He's died for you. He's died for all. That's the good news that we know is true as Christians. Do not begrudge anyone the mercy that Jesus wishes to give them. Do not judge them unworthy when Jesus' blood covers them. Forgive them as you have been forgiven. Rejoice that God forgives all sins, big and small, hidden and public, even for your neighbor, even for you. Rejoice that he gives his gifts to every single person in the same way, through his word, through his sacraments, here in the divine service where he serves us and provides for us. Encourage those who do not know God's forgiveness to come here and to receive it. Be glad when that stranger sits down the pew or takes your spot in church. Be glad when sinners repent and are forgiven. Be glad when God gives the same gifts to everybody across the board. Be glad when sinners turn away from the world and enter this congregation as your brothers and sisters in Christ, be glad that God gives his gifts to all and pray that all might receive them, trust in them, love them, 
and rejoice with us in them. Be glad that God is generous and pray that the faith in this reality might fill us all. Dear Christians, God is very generous. He gives each one of us so many things. All that we have in this world, a gift from God. The forgiveness of all of our sins, given as a gift from God. Faith in his word, a gift from God. Do not begrudge these gifts. Rejoice and be glad in the one who gives them to you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which far surpasses all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.